Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In all seriousness, like, it was something that thing. really rattled me for a stage. Yeah, it, it really got mm. on my like self-confidence and um, it was a big one for me. But there's so many things that, you know, when I was thinking about coming on today, I was like, fuck me, this has been a lot more stressful than I thought it would be. But it's also very, <laughs> very exciting in another way as well. This podcast series has mainly been presented from my perspective as a 31-year-old woman. But what does it mean to navigate your 30s as a guy? Do males even care or lose sleep about this chapter of life? Do they understand the pressures that women face approaching this age? In this episode, I want to find out. So I'll be picking the brains of two adored podcasters, Dill Buckley and Alex Dyson. You'll hear Dill's perspective as a 29-year-old and Dyso, who is 33. We chat everything from hair loss and fertility to our definitions of success and identities beyond our career. There's a few laughs, a couple of inspo quotes from Dill, and hopefully a lot of takeaways if you're a guy tuning in. So here we go. Figuring out 30 as a fella. All right, here we are. This is this is cute. This is like a bridge dill Daiso. Sounds very commercial. Like this is your new commercial brekkie trio. Well, <laughs> it depends the order of the names because that's always a point of contention um, on breakfast shows. I mean, Matt and Alex. Other always people said, "Oh, why isn't it Alex and Matt?" That's all about the phonetics. But I, I think you've got to get there. Bridge Dylan Daiso, Daiso Dill Bridge. Great. I like it. I'm keen. I've, I've, unlike you two, I'm very uh, not um, across the radio scene. But geez, I tell you what, I'm I'm a bit starstruck today. It's an absolute honour to be sitting down with both of you. I feel like it's a, a childhood dream. All those years, you know, like some kids have footy players on their bedroom wall. I had all of the radio stars on, on my on my wall. So it's, um, did you really? Wow! I had um, footy players on my wall. So it's <laughs> nice to chat to you too. No, yeah. No, look, I think. Um, yeah, it is. I've respected you guys and love what you're doing. So, yeah, it's an absolute honor to be chatting. Can't wait to get into it. Dill, you're fucking killing it in the podcast world. So, you're like real king shit on this chat. <laughs> I'm an OG podcaster. But the funny thing is, the reason I got into podcasting was I couldn't get into radio. Like, no one wanted me. They were just like, get the fuck away from me. They're like, seriously, go away. Do not come near us. And I tried my hardest, like, so many times to try and um get into like all the all the big stations and even just like literally just come in and get experience and it was really hard to do but um yeah i was like well look if i can start my own podcast at least i can maybe show that as a little bit of a, a hype reel and then you know i can be be like you guys one day oh my god oh, it did so well man it's sort of similar as well because when i finished up at triple j it was literally on my 30th birthday and i um went down to calling footy club training and i'm like give us a game as well it's like they didn't have anything to do with me you know couldn't run couldn't jump i know what it feels like um but i went over to the cult and then i go yes we need everyone we can get jump on board let's go <laughs> oh, oh my god that's great that's good. very good well, Very it is good. so nice to have both of you um, joining me because I'm yeah really keen to just get in to the brains and see what it's like figuring out 30 as a fella because this whole podcast has primarily been coming from my perspective as a woman entering the stage of life and you both are sitting on kind of not complete opposite sides, but it's really great because Dill, you turned 29 this year, Daiso, you're 33. So it'll be awesome to kind of gain a bit of insight and perspective from how you guys are currently navigating it in real time. Um, Dill, maybe let's start with you, mate, because you, yeah, you turned 29 back in March. How are you feeling about your final year in your 20s and approaching the big 3-0? So as soon as you turned 29, did you like think, fuck, 30s next or what was it like? Um, to be honest, not not really. Like I, I, I'm one of those people that I do sort of forget my age sometimes, but it has gotten, like my, my wife is actually 30, so she turned 30. Um, literally last week and um, we were both going fuck like, I cannot believe how quickly life's gone because we both still feel like you know we're 25 and 
And I, I don't know what that's like. I think you always feel like you're younger than you actually are. But for me, I'm really happy with AIM at the moment. But definitely life has changed dramatically in the last sort of three years and heading towards that 30 mark. And I'm sure we'll touch on it all today, but there's just so many things that you just don't, you're not prepped for, um, whether you're a male or a female. And yeah, a few things that may have been huge. And one of those is like that, nearly that role reversal of being a kid to being a parent. You sort of almost flip to, you know, supporting your parents a lot of the time. And Dice, I'm not sure about you. You look like you've got a big, big luscious head of hair, but hair loss for men. <laughs> I'm one of those guys that's like, that was something like, oh, it, 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 in all seriousness, like it was something that really rattled me for a stage. Yeah. It, it really got mm. on my like self-confidence and um, it was a big one for me, but there's so many things that, you know, when I was thinking about coming on today, I was like, fuck me, this has been a lot more stressful than I thought it would be, but it's also very, <laughs> very exciting in another way as well. Yeah. And it's good to talk about, actually, it's so um, funny that you brought up the the hair loss, hair thinning, because I got a bunch of comments and um, feelings and a bit of a vibe check from some of my male followers on Instagram. And one of the guys said like, I'm fucking freaking out about hair thinning. And that actually seems to be a genuine concern and fear for males. Yeah, no, it's, he's spot on. Like it is one of those things that you, you first think and you go, oh, that's interesting. It's sort of receded more than I thought. Like, I don't know, this old widow's peak is starting to uh, get a little bit further down. But yeah, it is one of those things you just can't control, but it does throw your thoughts around the place and you wonder what, what you should do and you know, getting older and yeah, the, the advertising gurus, you see them on TV and they hit those pressure points about, you know, what it, what it means. And I don't know, I guess it doesn't really mean anything other than how you grapple with it mentally. Yeah, you're so right. And I think it just gets to that point where you have to just get comfortable in yourself. The fact that like, you know, your hair doesn't obviously equate to like who you are or, you know, what sort of person you are, but I think it does, I'd be lying and I'd be doing it unjustice to that if I if I said it didn't have a pretty big impact on me, especially just around that self confidence and everything about it. But yeah, it's um it definitely played a massive role in in my sort of last six months. And and to be honest, it was actually a funny story. So there's a positive and a negative in this because as Dice I said, you get you get hit up by these ads and they come left, right, and center. So I got hit up actually by this company and they're like, look, mate, you know, looks like you're losing your hair. We'll pay you to come and do this hair treatment. And I was like, oh my God, this is fantastic. You know, it's great. I'll hit this, this fantastic mark and I'll get paid to grow my hair back. And I went and did the, um, the scan and went and did the process and I did the process and she's like, oh, I've got some great news. She's like, you haven't lost any hair. Like your hair is exactly the same. And I was like, well, that's good news that I'm not losing my hair, but it's sort of fucked up because I've got a really shit hairline, like just from birth. <laughs> so it was like sort of like pros and like really like positive, but then like really bad in a way as well. But one thing I've learned, and this has been like a 30s thing, it's something that's maturity and just growing up, but I, I live my life by the movie Eight Mile with Eminem. One shot, one exactly. opportunity. Exactly. Love spaghetti. It's a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> and the one part I love about it is is at the end when he um, – is in the final rap battle and he's versing Papa Duff and he comes up against, you know, the new world order and like the world's against him. And he's obviously had like a lot of trials and tribulations in this story. And when it gets to his rap, he goes first. And to disarm everyone, he literally says everything that he's vulnerable about, everything that he's embarrassed about. And the guy, um, Papa Duff, his, his, you know, fearful opponent, then just has literally nothing on him. So I've sort of learnt from that. I was like, well, fuck, I, if I have these insecurities and there's things that I'm embarrassed about, I'm just going to embrace them and like literally try and embrace them as best I can because then for one that I found, I feel better about it and find that so many people, you're actually not alone. You're like so many people have these insecurities as well. And I think that you, you, you're quite naive if you think you're the only person that's ever gone through something. And I think that's been the biggest thing for me, like in, at this age of like 28, 29, 30 going in, it's just like fucking hell, man, like. Just, just embrace yourself. Like you, you've, you've been around for thirty years. Like, unfortunately, you probably can't change, um, and you don't want to either. Totally. I think I learned that lesson as well from another, you know, internationally renowned rapper, and that is Matt O'Kine, uh, whose <laughs> side project Boilermakers does some big things here in Australia. <laughs> but, who I host a podcast with, and it was, it's been great. He's a very vulnerable person as well, and will call out the um, things that he's embarrassed about, or he's, you know, ashamed of, or he like, you know, that. And yeah, I've got the utmost respect for. Um, for people who are able to to do that because as long as it's done in a way that 
it doesn't like sometimes you can do it but still feel hurt by it you know and mm. you do it as a reflex if you get in so other people can hurt you but yeah genuinely embracing those things because you're right everyone has insecurities and whether it's not enough hair or too much hair <laughs> in places or whatever yeah i mean daiso i obviously know you from working together and i know you as a communicator so i can't imagine you having the biggest problem in terms of communicating those insecurities and vulnerabilities. Dil, you come from a background of footy, so a pretty different environment where, I don't know, it could be a huge stereotype or assumption, but it doesn't seem like, I mean, I think it's more open. I think you being a podcaster as well has totally helped in opening up important conversations, but did you ever find it hard from that kind of environment with talking about these things? Yeah, I think so. Like, uh, again, um, not trying to get wisdom me on you, but like, uh, I think one thing I learned again was like, you are who you surround yourself with. And I think at times if I found myself getting in like really bad spots or whether that's mentally or just like getting into bad trades, whether it's drinking too much, all these sort of things, it was big on like who I was surrounding myself with. So I think when I realised you are who you hang out with, you are like your friends, you are your family. And I put myself in positions where I hang around with really driven people, people that are career driven, people that love their family, that have purpose and have values. That was when like everything else sort of changed and around these conversations, like, you know, I'm in a studio now with guys and girls that I work with and some of the shit, sometimes I'm like, wow, how are we talking about this stuff? Like that's so open and vulnerable, but we're all just supportive of each other. And to, to exactly your point, I'm not trying to throw any teams under the bus, Dice. I know you love the Blues and they gave you an opportunity. But when I was at Carlton um, as a young kid, and this was just the environment it was, it was very like, I, I remember, you know, I always had, I, I just loved doing media. And one of the things was I was sitting down, I used to do this show called Discussion with Dylan, which was a terrible show. It's on YouTube. You can check it out. And um, <laughs> the I could never get a play to come on. And they were like, mate, that's such a, you know, that's so, you're such a loser. Why would you want to do that? You're not even playing. Why would you want to? sort of, um, you know, do that sort of thing. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, I'm a loser. Like, maybe I'll just focus on trying to get a kid. I ended up getting delisted and went to Sydney. And I said, you know, fuck this. I'm going to embrace myself all over it. I said to the guys, I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to do this. And the guys there were like, mate, that is the best idea ever. That is such an awesome thing. Like, good luck. We'll help you out. Whatever you want to do, we'll support it. And there was a part of it where I was like, well, is it the guys that I'm around that are supporting me to do it? Or is it also the fact that, I made the decision just to finally back myself in. And when you don't question yourself, you don't give people the chance to question you. And it's sort of like when you're driving in your car in the middle lane and you put your indicator on, you want to turn. And like, if you just put your indicator on, like no one's going to let you in. I was on Hoddle Street this morning. No one lets you in. Like it's just, that's how it is. <laughs> but if you, if, if you put your indicator on and you just slowly start turning and you're like, fuck it, I'm going. Like, I'm literally going to turn left. <laughs> Everyone just fucking stops and they just let you go because it's like they go, geez, this guy knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He knows he's turning left. Let's just, let's just let him turn left. That's, that's good. There's a good balance there rather than just like as long as you indicate, I think, I think you're fine. <laughs> I'm indicating. I, like, I am indicating. I own the road. Going in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I am indicating and I like, you know, I definitely wave and I do, you know, very thanks. Thanks so much. He's graceful. But, um, more than, yeah, more the analogy of just like, Make your own decision and stick with it. Don't let anyone else question it because that was what I was probably referring to before in a really roundabout way. It's like, well, when I was at Carlton, was it, were they bagging me out or was I just not believing in myself and gave them the opportunity to question it? Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, looking at internally, that's great. Yeah. Daiso, you're 33. How was your mindset in the lead up to 30? Uh, the old, the old man of the pod today. Yeah. Um, I guess it was interesting, like, because I was very fortunate to have a job at Triple J, the youth broadcaster for many years. And I finished up on the breakfast show after doing that for seven years and I was about 28. So and I think, I think on average, like the stats are you, you stayed a job for about seven years is um, that you could have a career path. So I sort of stayed on that. And then I did what I didn't do after um, high school. And that's did my gap year as a you know 28 turning 29 year old man. And so traveled the world and thought, great, I'll finally be able to do this, you know, and that was, that was really wonderful. It was that thing that I always wanted to do that I hadn't because of the career and that sort of thing got to it. And I'm like, this will be excellent. I'll be able to figure out what I really want to do. That'll be wonderful. And then you sort of get there. And I remember being, I was on Croatia sale week, right? You know, crystal clear waters. It was wonderful. A few beers, a few swims, excellent stuff. But I was standing, I remember being in my cabin, which was sort of at the bottom of the boat. And it was just totally like a box in this boat. And I sort of realized, man, this could be anywhere. 
really. This could be anywhere in the world, but I'm just here in this box with my brain. And I'm like, you can travel anywhere you want to go, <laughs> but it's still you and, and your head and, and everything. And the great thing about the trip, because it was so awesome, I look back on it so fondly, but I also realized like, oh, but it's not everything as well. Like, I think you can build up your expectations and you can do that. But as long as you're keeping yourself content and yourself happy, you could be, you could be rocking up to a nine to five job and, or you could be in a cabin on the, <laughs> the Mediterranean, but it's, it's how you, it's how you look at these things because it is, it is you, it is your head and as long as you're taking care of that, you can almost survive anything. So did you see 30 as a clean slate as opposed to an expiry date? Kind of, yeah, because I, it's an opportunity. Like, and every problem is an opportunity because I literally, my last shift at Triple J, because after that trip, I did six more months on the lunch show, feeling backfilling. You you're know? back. And that's a bit weird because you also, you have things like, oh, do I want to be going backwards? Is like, how do you feel about that? But no, I just enjoyed the job. I enjoyed the radio station. I enjoyed the people. And so being able to do that was awesome. But my last show was literally on my 30th birthday <laughs> and they let me do the Friday mix. And that was really fun and finished that off. And it, it sort of finished with a bang and it did feel like a closing of a chapter almost because people ask, oh, you're going to go back to Triple J? And it's, it's not the kind of job that they let old people come back on <laughs> really once you sort of moved on so I'm sort of very fortunate to have finished up then but yeah it is the opportunity of okay well what's the next next step you know it's great doing something different is something I really enjoy and so treating the problem of 30 like an opportunity of you're a brand new you with everything you've learned and all the mistakes you've made and all that kind of thing it's like wow I've got a lot more tools in the arsenal to approach this decade <laughs> let's see how we want how we want to do it the conversations that I've had with my girlfriends is that we have all kind of set expectations for ourselves by the time we are 30 in that you know we envisioned having a family or being engaged or married and kind of settled have either of you had particular goals that you did actually set for yourself by the age of 30 like dill do you have a, a list that you wanted to achieve by by hitting 30 yeah it's it's oh look uh, there wasn't a, a per se like a list that I've, I've written down but definitely there was just things that i thought would have happened that that probably haven't and you know in my mind if i'm talking about that list like back when i was a kid and and riding it like i would still be playing footy and i thought that i was going to be a 300 game superstar that fun three premierships like didn't really turn out like that. I got sacked twice and played like 40 games. And a part of that now, I'm married. I got married at the start of this year. Um, and I suppose that there's those parts as well where you think, fuck, like 30, um, there's, you know, people are starting to have children and, and start families. And that's something that's like really, I've been a really hard one for, for me and my partner. Like, you know, that's something that we're thinking about and, you know, hasn't been as easy as we thought it would be. And I can totally understand that now. And it's something that I never, ever thought would be, you just never think that that's going to be a thing, I think. And when you are faced with some issues like that, it's been fucking like, it has been life-changing, really. Like, it's like really opened your eyes to to, to these sort of things. But the, yeah, like in saying it in a bit of a cliche way, like, you know, I've, I've met my, my wife when I was like in high school. Um, we've been together for like 11 years, had the, the one little year off there in between we didn't, when you think the grass was green or I came back crawling back crying. Like, it's not green. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not green. Take me back, please. Um, um, I, think it was, I think it was about like a week. I was just like, um, I don't like this anymore. Can you, can you, um, I'm done now. <laughs> and, yeah, I'm done. But, um, yeah, in terms of that that whole thing, there's been that that's changed. Like school, be together forever, you know, get married, start your family, buy a house. Like, how the fuck are you meant to buy a house these days? It's so expensive, like, to even, to even do anything. So, yeah, it's been tough. Like, it's it's been tougher than I thought, but I, I don't think I put much thought into it early, which is probably why it shocked me a bit. Don't want to prod too much into, I guess, your wife's life, but has, you know, yeah. her experience as a woman who's just turned 30, has it given you a bit of understanding as to how and why women feel so fucking freaked out about this age? Oh, like I just get goosebumps even like thinking about it because I know, oh, it's hard to even talk about, really. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very hard, very hard to, I can imagine, you know, and I've been a part of it now, but like that whole thing around, um, you know, starting families and stuff like that, it's super, yeah, it's super scary. Like it is really scary. And I feel like I'm, at some stage I feel like it's not my place to say anything, but it's also like why well, I'm going through it too so I can, comment on these things um but yeah i just think that 
around that whole factor of um, people having children and um, you know social media and, and all those sort of things, it's fucking yeah, it's tough. Like it's and I, and I, I feel for for anyone in that situation and just know that you know there is it doesn't help when you say that other people are going through things because you know that doesn't make it relevant at all but I think I do take some comfort in in that and like it's been um for her it's yeah it's tough it's a tough situation for sure yeah Mm -hmm. did you feel pressure like with you having goals or a list for you turning 30 like did you have one not really because like I still don't really know what I want to do when I grow up (laughs) <laughs> so it's kind of I love like, that. I did it like I think as Dill mentioned at the start, like you still feel really young. And I've I've had that a few times recently because I was back in my hometown of Warrnambool a fair bit. And I'd I'd written a children's book and I was reading it to the kids at the Warrnambool Library. And uh, one of the kids that came along was the son of my best friend growing up. We were in, you know, knew each other since we were zero years old because our parents were friends and, you know, grew up together. And she was there with her five-year-old son as I was reading out, you know, a children's book in the Warnable Library that I used to go to as a kid. And so I was like in this really emotional moment of like, oh, my goodness, this is this is a generation, you know, sitting in front of me. It's like personified and, the, and everything feels just an instant from when we were that age, you know, hanging out together to now and her son is there. And I'm like, yeah, you just feel really proud and you feel really lucky that these people are still in your life and you feel really, you feel a lot of hope for the, the kid who's sitting there who doesn't realise that time's going to go so quickly and soon he's going to be on a podcast in 30 years talking about, you know, all of that. It's, um, yeah, it was that really emotional moment that I think coming back to the, the question at hand, I sort of float through doing the things that I really enjoy <laughs> and don't really have a plan. It's that those expectations which um, lead me to not not be disappointed of where I am at or not be scared, you know, worried that I haven't done something by a certain time because you do realise it's, it's never too late to start something. You could be 29, you could be 31. It's, yeah, that, it's, that is rather arbitrary. But um, yesterday or like last week was a, a real big time for me where I was thinking about all these things that I want to achieve and having these goals and they're super important to have because it gives you a bit of direction and purpose and all these sort of things. But then I was thinking, fuck, like the journey, like I'm on it now. This is actually the funnest part. Like I'm sitting here and you just be present. I was like, this is fucking sick. You know, like we've got two people here. We're doing this. We're trying to like pitch for this like show that we have absolutely no fucking idea what we're doing. Like we're just <laughs> completely fake it till you make it type stuff. And I was like, this is so cool. Like, this is the actual the exciting bit. It's not like when it's done, it's it's all that stuff along the way. And like guys, I said, you know, you can be 16 when you come up with this thing. You can be 29, you can be 34, you can be 40, you can be all these sort of ages. And then you can do it again. One thing I wanted to touch on, guys, I had this conversation with a few of the girls at Triple J. I don't know if I've had this conversation with you, Daiso, but I feel like there's a bit of common ground between the professions of being, I guess, an AFL player, for example, and a presenter on the National Youth Broadcaster in that you do feel a bit of an expiry date. And then when you leave those things, there might be an identity crisis of sorts. Did you guys ever struggle with that? I mean, Daiso, yeah, you left triple j right before turning 30 when people are expected that you settle into a job and then for dill for you to make that transition out of footy as well like do you kind of see that yeah um yeah no 100 percent. the whole you know i see it so the crossover for, for all of us in in that position because for my example like as a footy player like you know that's it's live and breathe i've done it since i was six years old and then you you hit this like dream job and you know i played in afl for eight years and that was all people knew me as and it was like that was still in the football you know he, he's on an AFL list that's awesome and, and I suppose you internalize this a lot more as well like because you know you're the main character in your own story right you don't think that anyone else exists and yeah I think like I became Dylan the, the, the footballer and I think it was really really dangerous for me because I would judge myself on as a person as how I was going on the field you know if I was playing good footy I was the best bloke ever like oh and I'd be up and about I'd be present in relationships. I'd be a good brother. I'd be a good, you know, son, good partner. But if I was going shit and I was injured and I was getting dropped, I was a shocking person because, you know, if I'm if I'm not performing on the field, I must be the worst bloke ever. So I think it really took me, um, was, was the biggest realisation when I was like separating Dylan Buckley, the person versus the persona. And that was like a massive revelation. I was like, oh my God, just because I'm playing shit, that doesn't mean I have to be a bad person. Like, let's judge on what I do 
off the field and who I am versus what is going on. And and I don't want to pretend that like that's easier said than done. Like it's a really, really hard thing to do. And it's not something that like you do and then you just remember it forever either. Like you've got to consistently keep reminding yourself of like what's important. You know, just because you do something here doesn't mean you're, you know, bad over there. But if I relate it to what's happening now, which is like is one of my biggest stresses, and I, I actually would love to ask you guys about this too, is because I'm now in the podcast arena and my biggest fear is like people listen to me for one hour a week, right? And it's like the best hour I'm good. That's like the best you've got of me, right? Like that's like everything I've got. That's when I'm high energy, I'm happy, I'm doing everything. I'm not like this all the time. You know, like there are points where like I'm a shit bloke. Like, you know, I probably am like grumpy a lot of the time. I'm, I'm Sometimes I don't, you know, drink the green smoothies and, you know, I'm not like everything I preach. And that really worries me. And it's like, I go like, fuck, I just don't, I don't want to like send this message out that like I'm like this and then I'm actually like this. And it's, it's really hard. So I think all I try and do is just be as authentic as I can possibly. But it's, again, I thought I'd nailed it with the separating the footy player versus the person. But now it's even harder because the person is my work and it is the same for you guys. Like you don't put on this act. We're not actors. Like we are, our business is who we are, which is. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Really hard. Yeah, well, Daiso, I mean, you were like rat dog the in the rave cave on Brecky Radio. So like people would perceive Daiso as like this fucking party animal. Um, like how, how, I don't know, how would you go about that outside of work hours and if someone pulled you up on the street and you just, could, you know, you're absolutely not in that kind of element. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is interesting, the perceptions. I think um, that is a really interesting thing, like how you are perceived by people. And I think I got a bit of a insight into that. I just happened last night, I was on the Cheap Seats TV show and they're like, how do you want us to introduce you or something? And that for a lot of the time, it's people know me as working at Triple J. So it's like, oh, you used to work at Triple J. And actually, I got like, that came out really stark when Matt O'Kine and I um, came back to do the podcast that we're doing at the moment, All Day Breakfast, we're sort of doing an interview um, with this sort of male comedy duo. And this is sort of the danger. You mentioned, Dylan, surrounding yourself with like really good people and that kind of thing. But the danger of surrounding yourself with successful people could be coming out of this situation where (laughs) they go, well, Matt, since you've left Triple J, you've done a TV show, you've got this movie in the works, you've put out a book, you know, you've done these kind of things. And I think the guy tried to do some comedy is like, Alex, what have you done in those years, <laughs> you know? And I like, I felt really angry at that question, like in the moment and like the mics are on and we're live on radio and I'm like, it's just like having my worth questioned in that and it was a joke and like you want to come back with like, you know, I wrote a book and I opened a comedy venue in Melbourne. Which is and I've entered politics. You know? How about you, bitch? Like, Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, ran for parliament and and things like that. And I think I sort of might, that was my knee-jerk reaction to try and prove by my worth by naming these tent poles of success. But just as legitimate an answer to that could have been, I've just been enjoying my life. <laughs> you know, I went on a really good holiday. I, I planted a really cool veggie garden. You know, the danger of how people perceive you through your work or your successes is um, A, none of their business, <laughs> but B, yeah, there's, there's no reason to um, put those expectations on yourself as to how people perceive you at a certain age. You need to be, you know, doing something by a certain time. You can, you can do whatever you want and you can make whatever you want of your life if you're, you know, having a good time. I think it's, it's really good. Yeah, it's an interesting one when we talk about, I guess, the expectations that men might, you know, um, set up for themselves in context of turning 30 and being in in that decade of life. Like for women, I mean, historically, socially, like it's the traditional expectation of those maternal desires. But I feel like for guys, it is success and like career but it comes down to what it should come down to is how you define success and for you to say like i'm just enjoying life like 
for me, my definition of success is being happy. Like, and it doesn't matter if I'm on national radio or if I'm going back to a job. I had this, um, this comment come through. I'm just going to pull it up. This guy, a male follower. So he said he personally feels like once we're 30, we should be higher up in our jobs than when we started. I don't know if I actually agree with that sentiment. Like, what would you both make of that? Success for me now if I didn't go any further than I was today and I live like this forever, I would genuinely be so fucking happy. Like I'd work with like all my friends. I create fucking podcasts that some, what some reason people listen to. And I play golf at least once, maybe twice a week sometimes. <laughs> and like for me, like I, sometimes I get up and I'm like, this is the best fucking thing in the world. Like if I can work, mm. do this and do that, like that's success to me. I don't want to be a billionaire. Mm. More money, more problems. Biggie Small said it, okay? More money, more problems. <laughs> it, really, it really is true sometimes. Like again, I'm not going to say no to the big paychecks, but I'm not probably chasing them as much as I thought I would maybe a year ago when I was in that like fucking let's conquer the world type mentality. Yeah. I think, I think that comment is absolutely true for that individual, <laughs> you know, yeah. because if, yes. you, if you like, I really want to be higher up in my job, it'll be a measure of success and I'll feel fulfillment from that. It's like, yes, you should do that and you should work hard and mm. you should be able to achieve it and you'll feel really good as, as a result. Um, it won't be true for every other individual because they'll have a different measure. But I think you should, you know, as soon as you create a measure, work hard to, work hard to do it. But you do also don't need to create expectations around things if you are enjoying it. And as far as that hustle thing goes, I remember lying on my bunk on the Trans-Siberian Express after leaving Triple J. I'm just there by myself four days on a train <laughs> through Russia at this time. This is pre-war Russia. Uh, but... I had this idea before I left of like, oh, wouldn't it be really cool like a um, VR kind of experience for concerts? Say the Strokes are playing at Madison. It's Netflix, but everything's live. You're like, oh, the Strokes are playing at Madison Square Gardens. Will Anderson's doing a comedy show at the Forum. And it's like, oh, you buy a ticket online and you watch it in your VR thing. It's like, that's the future of this thing. It's my startup idea or whatever. I love that. And it's like, oh, my God, this is this is a great idea. Someone's going to make this idea. Maybe I could do it. And I'm there lying there at 29. It's like, yeah, I could do it. All I'd need to do, maybe start at the Enmore Theatre and start putting gigs and then make it bigger and bigger and, you know, get a few venues and then you expand, you get investor money, you can do all those kind of things. It's like, yeah, great. But it would take a long time. It'd probably take about 10 years to get it up and going. And I have to work really hard, be doing emails and that sort of thing. And I'm lying on the Transylvania Express going, you know what? I'd probably make a lot of money, but my life from 28 to 38 would be hell because <laughs> I don't really enjoy that kind of work. I don't enjoy writing the emails or set cup problem solving in that particular way. So it's like, yeah, it's maybe I'll just do a few things that are easier. It won't make me as much money, but I'll enjoy them more. I'll be more relaxed. It won't be um, the thing. And I think for some people, the level of success that they could achieve with their big ideas and their dreams and, and that hustle and, and that grind will, will be successful. But for me, it wasn't something that I wanted to use my life doing, <laughs> really. Yeah. I think like Daiso nailed it earlier. There's not one rule for everyone. And it's what you need to hear at that exact time. And I love this whole concept of figuring out 30 because by no means, like I'm literally on this pod today, like learning from you guys about what the fuck you're doing because I have no idea. Um, but yeah, I think it's just about finding our own niche. And if there's one message that I think guys literally nailed it earlier, it's like whatever works for you might not work for someone else, but it's, it's going to work for you at where you are at your point. And yeah, you can be told things so many times, but until it really clicks with you, you're not going to take it on board. As the, when people ask me for advice in radio, it's usually the advice I give, give is just like make a podcast, like do the thing, do the thing you wanted to do, because it's gonna you you keep doing that, you're gonna get lucky at some point, and you will meet someone if you keep putting yourself in the right areas and right rooms and going the right things. They'll go and you say, oh, I wanted to do a um. I wanted to be, I want to be an artist. It's like, oh, cool. Have you got some art? Yeah, I paint at home all the time. I've got a podcast. Have a listen. And me and um, Declan Byrne from Triple J that did that one time. We're on national radio already, but we both really like footy. And so we made a, a uh, commentating duo called the Wet Weather Specialists. <laughs> and we'd watch the footy and commentate and record it. And of the off chance, you know, we meet someone who's like, oh, you want to get to footy commentary? Well, here's our footy commentary. Three people listen, you know, and we're talking to hundreds of thousands of people on Triple J, but in our spare time, we're like, we enjoy watching footy. Do that. So that That's if awesome. we do get in those conversations, well, here's Alex's 
footy commentary. He's, he's an example of it rather than just going, I'm going to get the job and then start working. It's like, no, just do it yourself in your, in your spare time, you know? And then as you saw, it's worked for Dylan beautifully because you did it. You got better at it behind closed doors <laughs> for a long time. And then when it, when it comes out, like people are like, oh my God, this guy's awesome. It must've been, yeah. If it makes um, you feel any better, Dill, as well, I think podcasting is so much harder than radio. <laughs> no way. Podcasting so much easier. It's like I, I don't do a lot of TV and radio stuff. Um, I actually worked at 3AW for like six months before, you know, going full-time into podcasting. And, like, it's so funny. It's just a whole mindset thing around, like, as soon as you're live, you're like, oh, my God, I'm live. But, like, I wouldn't – I don't edit any of the shows anyway, so, like, nothing changes, which is really, like – it's sort of, like, one of those things that you're just like, oh, God, it's, it's funny. But, um, now nah, so much respect to um, anyone who starts their passions early, as, as you all said. It's, I'm, I'm such a big believer in, in that. I don't want to harp on it. And I know everyone that is listening to this is probably – already you know you know hopefully found a passion if they haven't that would be a massive part of of advice like get into it find what you love and just start doing it you know i I get so many people you know hit me up about podcasting stuff and they're like oh this idea for a podcast i want to start it like it's about this it's about that i'm like all right how many episodes you done none yet it's like what just fucking just start it like you know just start it's like oh i don't have the equipment just record on your phone because you're not going to release your first 10 episodes anyway they're going to suck so just just start you know getting into everything Anyway, yeah. enough life advice. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all great advice. Um, I do want to switch gears though, and maybe this is something that will feel a little spicier. Let's mm-hmm. go into the world of dating and relationships. Are guys Definitely. insecure about dating in their thir- like Daiso? Do you have friends in your thirties who are on the apps and stuff? Like, where where are guys? How are guys feeling about all this stuff? That's what I want to I want to know. Yeah, I did sit on a hill with a friend like some sort of hoodlum with a six pack of beers and we looked out over the water with a friend and we talked about dating at one point and like what it's about and it's interesting how yeah the the stakes get higher the older you get in in that you feel it's a real all or nothing am i going to bet the farm (laughs) on this on a relationship uh there are you know issues there look inwardly am i able to deal with these issues or is it nothing, you know, you go back and you get on the apps and you start looking for those experiences and it's, yeah, it's that, it's that depending on what you want, I guess, and your ideas of success and the things you want to do and what you're willing to compromise on. But yeah, like when you throw a question like that, I'm like, oh, I could tell you what my friends who have babies are going through because that's all that seems to be coming yeah. through <laughs> at the moment as you hit as you're 30 and yeah, you look at yourself and you're like, well, is that, is that something I want to get into immediately or is, yeah, it's really interesting to think about, but yeah, I can certainly feel that the stakes can get a little bit higher <laughs> the older, the older you get. Yeah. I, I think as well, really good point Dice, around that, that, that cued on me and not, not many of my mates are um, a single at this stage, but one thing that has been like a huge thing was, uh, you know, speaking of a couple of them without naming names of, of my friends that have gone through probably periods where they're around that 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, and they've been in sort of long-term relationships and they're like, is this the right relationship? And I think like a lot of, um, you know, people were like, oh, you know, you, you've got to follow that norm, you know, you've got to follow that. You, you're at that age, you've got to stay with this person, you've got to have a family and you've got to do it. And I and I did this, you know, I had one situation once that I look back on and, and I was like, fuck, I should have been more honest with my mate in this situation. Like I should have said what I thought and I wouldn't want that from, from other people. So with these other situations that have popped up, I just said to them, I was like, can you see yourself, you know, with this partner in five years with, with, with kids, married and working your life? And if you can see that, are you happy with, with that situation? And they're like, well, probably not, you know, probably not. And, it, and there's one thing that if one person can't see it in the relationship, the odds are the other person won't see that in the relationship either. And you can stay together because it's easy. And, you know, I speak about this because I am incredibly so lucky with my own relationship that I want other people to know how good that can have. And there's not one day I don't think about that. That, that I can't see myself doing that. So I was thinking if there is anything, maybe hopefully if there isn't a question or there's something about it, like, you know, you're better off ending that one now and finding what's next best for you and taking that leap and going because I think we can get stuck in those situations where you do things because they're easy. And, you know, two of my friends that have been in that situation, they ended up ending the relationships. Both people went different ways. Both people have found new partners and both people are extremely happy. Like, and, and it's so much easier said than done because I'm not in that situation 
Um, mm. But it was always that advice that when my friends asked me, I was like, I just have to be honest with them and say, like, you know, if you're not seeing it the way I do, like, I hope that you do get that. And they have, which has been really cool. Yeah, it's really interesting. You mentioned your year break as well, Dylan, in there. Yeah. Uh, with your long-term relationship. And I was having a chat to another friend and it's sort of resonating with me because I'm in a situation where, you know, I'm in that sort of similar situation. But you, you can't, it sounds like you needed that to learn what was happening. I was having a chat to another friend who just had a new baby and I, I was very surprised to find out that they um, had a break, break in the middle of that. And it does teach you a lot and it's just as valid to have that as part of your story and potentially find a new partner, potentially you'll come back and be extremely happy and be a better person for the experience as well. But yeah, that um, clinging on is very interesting. It, it does it does make life very difficult and it does delay potentially fixing the issue further down the track as well. So yeah, I, I would... Action, action is good, <laughs> I would say. I had a question from Anika on my Instagram who wanted to know if you guys have thoughts on how women are perceived being single in their 30s and how that differs to men being viewed as single in their 30s. Can you guys see a difference, an uh, unlevel playing field in those perceptions? In terms um, of like uh, what... what- so women uh, yeah. usually, like if you look at a, a woman who's single in their 30s, unfortunately some of the first things will come up that will be like what's wrong with her. But it kind of seems, I think The Bachelor is probably a really great example with how we portray the guys as well, like a guy who's single in yeah. their 30s and we're like, how could he possibly oh, be you. single? Right, like, yeah. Have you guys <laughs> well, like... Well, looking at it, yeah, looking at like that bridge, I think that for me, like not that I'm, you know, actively looking at single women um, would be concerning if I was, but <laughs> I think that it's it shows me that those people know what they want and they're not settling for something that they're not happy with. Um, I mm. think it's really powerful. Like I think that's, it's if anything, I've, I've a lot of respect for because I know that, as you said, it, it is a lot, it would be a lot harder. Like mm. the perception you've said then, like it's cool, perceived cool to, to be a, an older um, bachelor versus the other. And I, I, I must admit, you know, ashamedly, I've never thought um, too much about it until you said it. But now thinking about it, like, and, and the conversation we've had today, all respect and everything to that. And I think it, it's, it's actually really admirable knowing that you're not settling for something you're not extremely happy with yet um, and should be, you know, should be happy with it. Do you know how many women would be like clicking, being like, yeah, still to that? So, Dicey, you better back yeah. it up if you want to. Well, I, th- I think it's like, yeah, I, I worry. It's more about myself. It's like if I look into that situation, it's like, oh, my goodness, what's wrong with me? And maybe people have similar situations across across the, the spectrum. But I also, the thing that gives me heart, it's like, as Dylan said, it's people like me. Like, I feel I'm reasonably good and you know it's sad you feel a bit of shame sometimes that you can't make relationships work or something like what's going on there but you feel well there's i'm sure there's lots of people in similar situations that are that are out there and are are, um yeah it's tough to see through it through the fog but suddenly you meet someone you're like oh my god i click with this person (laughs) you know it adds the questions of will i ever be happy again (laughs) can um could do that. I was talking to a friend. This is when I was 28 and they were 25, right? And they'd just gone through a breakup and I'd just gone through a breakup. I'd met someone at about 25, late 25, fell in love, move in together. You have months where it's not working. You finally make the decision to break up. And then here I am at brunch with this 25-year-old who's just broken up and going, oh, my God. And it was having those things because she was female and was going like, oh, you know, will I find someone to be able to have married and have kids and that kind of thing? And I'm like, listen... I was in your position at 25. I fell in love, had a great time, went so good, broke it up. And now I'm back at the same position at 28. You could have the full spectrum of love (laughs) and relationship and everything. And then you could be, you know, back single again at 28. You could start again, you know. And so, yeah, the time is somewhat irrelevant because things can happen really quickly. They happen really slowly. There's no no pressure on it. But, yeah, it was just it's very interesting because those concerns can be completely invalidated um, and then you can come full circle again. It's, yeah. Yeah. And Dyson as well, like just on that, like I haven't been through the specific situation in terms of like relationships, but if I relate it back to like a footy career and you relate like a long career that's like 300 games in those three flags versus a career that's had the ups and downs, getting sacked, you know, getting dumped or break up and all these sort of things. Mm-hmm. I look back at that now and I go, I am so fucking lucky of that experience because it taught me so much more 
than the 300 game career and the three flag career. So I think like, you know, we are how we perceive ourselves. And like, you look at everything, you, you, some things you look at and you go, oh, this is so shit. You look at it and you go, fuck, look what I'm learning out of this. Look at the life experience I'm actually getting out of this. And it's better than anyone else's journey. You know, that if I had have just had something else and it was easy, smooth sailing, you don't learn anything from that. You don't learn anything from when things are easy. So I, I know, again, you, you, you think you want these things and you do, but you've got to embrace it and be like, fuck, how good is this? I'm actually learning a lot along the way. Yeah, 100%. One follower wanted to know how you go about making and keeping strong relationships with your mates. So in terms of friendships, like have you noticed a shift in how friendships operate at this stage of life in your late 20s slash early 30s? Yeah, yeah, I, I have. I, I love my friends. I'm really lucky um, with that as well. Like, you know, one guy once told me, he was a former coach, Mick Malthouse, and um, he said, you know, I was like a young guy, I was 18, and he goes, Dylan, you only have five friends. You know, you can count your friends on your hand. And I was like, Mick, that's not correct. I have over 3,000 friends on Facebook, like a very popular guy. Like I've got, you know, a lot of mates. And I think, again, turning this age, you start to, you know, grow up and you mature that honestly, like you should, in my view, you really should count like your friends on five fingers on your hands. And, and that's really all you need. Like I don't think we can actually give energy to, you know, there's, there's an outer layer there that's like friends and acquaintances and you can be awesome with them, but there's those ones that you you go to for things and they come to you for different things. Like there might be a mate that I go to for relationship advice. There might be a mate that I check in with them on my mental health. There might be another guy that I check in on his relationship for him. There might be a guy that I go to for work-related things and then another one that I go to for family-related stuff. So I think it's like identifying what's in your tool bag of your friends, really, and you identify like which players in your team are for what, for what thing um and yeah i've been been extremely lucky to identify that of my mates now which has been huge and i think those relationships get really really strong like yesterday i'm not saying this to be like cool or anything but like i called my mate on the way to work it was like 7 30 and we talked to each other every morning like every morning and all of a sudden we just got so deep that i was like started crying i was just like what the fuck Aww. like this is so weird like we're just talking about something at like 8 a.m in the morning i'm on hoddle street as i said got the indicator trying to turn left and i'm like also crying at the same time but it was awesome i was like imagine two years ago if i could have like cried with a mate like that's just weird you know like it's not yeah. it's not a thing but it takes gradual stuff you know you don't just go from not crying to crying. <laughs> you don't just go from like, mate, let's go get a beer to just like bawling your eyes out. Like there's different <laughs> levels that get to that stage and it's a skill. Friendship is a skill. I mm. actually i am a massive believer in that. Like you, you have to practice being a good friend and practice, you know, receiving friendship as well. Yeah. Well, Jimmy said on my Instagram, he said um, in his 30s, he feels more open and comfortable in sharing feelings and more equipped to listen to others. How are your friendships in your 30s, Daiso? Um, they've been really nice. As I mentioned, being in Warnable, it's really nice to see old friends again. And like you haven't seen for such a long time and you're able to have a conversation. You think to yourself, man, I'm extremely lucky to have known these people, continue knowing these people. Um, during COVID, I found myself, because I had a little drive to work as well. I'd just ring people I haven't talked to in a while. <laughs> which kind of freaks people out sometimes like hey is everything all right like what is it i'm like oh just no no rush just just wanted to see how, how things are going i think i <laughs> you remember know, you called me one time and i was on like my mental health walk around princess park and i was like i can't talk right now but and i was like oh is something wrong but like you do just actually call people to check in <laughs> yeah well, it's just the random calls and i found that really nice and even if you don't even have a chat people know that you're thinking of them like the amount of times people would you know we'd pop into people my people's minds or you'd other people would, you know, you've got friends that you think about occasionally. Oh, I wonder how they're going. It's just like, yeah, give them a call. And even if you don't talk, you can say the text. No worries. It was just thinking about people like, I think people really appreciate that, which is, which is really, really nice. So yeah, I, I like doing that. But as far as, yeah, as far as close friends go, it is, it is something that you do really need to cultivate and you don't, I've been a lot better even in the last couple of years at saying things like, I really appreciate our friendship. I really love you at the end of text or something like that. It's like, you feel a bit weird saying it because you don't want to be the first person to say it, but um, no one doesn't appreciate those things, I think. And so, yeah, that has been nice to be able to um, be really open with friends and tell them how much it means to them and the fact that they, um, uh, yeah, think you're a nice enough person to spend some of their time and some of their life hanging out with you is, um, is really great. 
Quickly, Di, so when you mentioned about going back home to Warrnambool and catching up with friends, when I go back to Ballarat and see my friends, I love doing it, but I also sometimes feel a bit of anxiety because most of my friends back home are settled down and I'm not in the terms of like, I don't have a house, I don't have a kid, I'm not like engaged or married. Um, do you ever feel any of that when you go home? Because I feel like it a, can be a, a, regional, a regional thing perhaps, yeah, or maybe it's yeah. just a, a female thing, I don't know. <laughs> I do no, I do feel self-conscious about living different lives and it's like, do we have enough in common <laughs> to actively communicate now and you know continue a friendship that we used to have a while ago? We used to trade Pokemon cards or something like that. It's like what is the what is the stuff? But um it's really nice to be able to have that ease or where they've not seen you at your worst, but they know who you are as a person. Like before you became, you get defined by your career or before you go these sort of things or before you've got a family and that kind of stuff. And yeah, you might not be on similar planes at the moment and your conversations could be superficial if you run into it at the shops or something like that. But it is really nice to be able to to reconnect and yeah. (laughs) Um, Guys, this has been such a, yeah, fascinating and wholesome conversation. Dill Buckley, Alex Dyson, thank you so much. Thank you, Bridget. If you enjoyed this chat and want to hear more from Dylan Daiso, the great news is you can listen to both of these guys anytime you like. They're available in podcast form. You can check out Dylan Friends and Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast. I popped the links in the show notes of this episode. Coming up next on Figuring Out 30, I'm going to be sitting down to answer any questions you have about this podcast series, about our 30s, and pretty much whatever else you want to know about me. It's a good old AMA sesh, so if you want to get involved, you can send me a question via Instagram DM at Bridget Hustwait, or you can email figuringout30 at gmail.com. I'll catch you then. Figuring Out 30 is an independent podcast produced and presented by me, Bridget Hustwaite. You can find me on Instagram at Bridget Hustwaite, and you can also drop me a line about the podcast anytime at figuringout30 at gmail.com. Don't forget you can hit subscribe if you want to stay across the latest episodes. And hey, if you like what you're hearing, I would love it if you could leave me a little review or rating. Thank you so much for your support. I'll catch you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.